This morning, I want to bring um, a message that's really been stirring on my heart for a number of weeks now as God's just been speaking to my heart about what we've been going through and what I believe God wants to teach us through this time. And so I want to bring a message entitled, Seven Lessons Learned Through the Pandemic. Seven Lessons Learned Through the Pandemic. And I want to read for us to begin, to open today, two scriptures. The first is from Isaiah 43, and then the second is from Mark chapter 2. So that's Isaiah 43, and I'm reading from verses 18 and 19, where the Lord says these words through the prophet, forget the former things, do not dwell on the past. See, I am doing a new thing. Now it springs up. Do you not perceive it? I am making a way in the wilderness and streams in the wasteland. How many of us feel like we need God to make a way in the wilderness right now? And then over in, in the book of, of Mark, Mark chapter 2, verses 21 and 22, Jesus says these words, No one sews a patch of unshrunk cloth on an old garment, otherwise the new piece will pull away from the old, making the tear worse. And no one pours new wine into old wineskins. Otherwise, the wine will burst the skins, and both the wine and the wineskins will be ruined. No, they pour new wine into new wineskins. Let's pray together. Father, we do thank you for your word this morning and pray that you would use it to speak into our lives, God, to teach us. Lord, we want to learn what you want to teach us through this time that we have found ourselves in. And so we, we ask you to bless this time to us today and give us ears to hear what your spirit wants to speak to us. And in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. So here we are um, now on what we hope to be the backside of this coronavirus pandemic. And at this point, we are slowly, albeit very slowly, re-entering life and re-engaging with one another. Stores and restaurants are beginning to reopen on a limited basis. People are beginning to go back to work. We've started seeing each other more, even if it's, even if it's from six feet away from each other or with face masks on. Uh, last night, I was so blessed. We had our Father's Day drive-through, and I was just, I was just so like overwhelmed to see some of you as you came and you drove through with your families, and it was such a blessing. Um, earlier in the week, I, I, I went into Dick's Sporting Goods. I went to look for something. And as I walked in, I realized I was walking into a store that wasn't selling food. And, and it was like a weird, almost a surreal experience. As I walked around, I had my mask on, you know, and so forth. I'm like, this is really weird. I don't even know what to do here. And I know, listen, I know that everyone is itching to get back to life as normal. And I, I know such is the case for us as a church. Right? However, we need to understand that life may not be fully normal for quite a long time. In fact, any place that requires people to be indoors with each other for a long period of time is especially going to be slow in rebounding. I think of schools, movie theaters, churches, and so forth. Let me just say that, that I personally, I have never felt through all of this, I've never felt as if the church was being picked on or devalued, but we just happen to be one of those settings that is most conducive to the spread of a virus like this. And we're not being picked on. Other, other venues, we might say, similar to a church, have experienced what we're experiencing. 
But I believe that right now, before we fully re-engage, that this is a time for us to reflect upon what we as Christians and as churches ought to have learned through this period of time. And before we rush into reconvening, we need to maybe step back and ask what God has been trying to say to us and teach us through, through all of this. You see, everything in the church world, and I've been in, in meetings with, with pastors via Zoom. This past week, I was in a meeting with over 41 pastors from our district and a, and, and, and a church leader and consultant. And it seems that everything in the church world is pointing to the fact that the church will never be the same again. That is, we can't go back to what was. We can't recreate the way things were. Rather, it may be that, that now's the time that we need to forget the former things, as the prophet wrote, and prepare ourselves for the new things that God wants to do. I tend to think that this is a time for us to begin to look ahead to the days to come based on what God has been wanting to teach us through all of this. For you see, as I look in the Bible, as I look in the Scriptures, I see that there are times when God when God begins to do something new, as he tries to lead his people down some new paths, and without disrespecting the past in any way, we need to realize that there are times when God calls us to move beyond the past, beyond the way things were, and beyond what we've always done. There are times when he calls us to begin to move into the new things he has for us. There are times when we need to forget the former things and take hold of the new wine he wants to give to us. And now, I don't know, for me, now just seems to be one of those times, and I know I'm not the only one who's feeling that way. And so with all of that in mind, I want to reflect today upon seven lessons I believe that we ought to have learned through this pandemic or that we, we ought to learn, especially as, as, as it affects us as, as a church. And listen, someone might come up with eight lessons or nine lessons or 25 lessons. I've just kind of narrowed down at this point to seven. And so lesson number one is this, the importance of the church, or we might say the importance of the body of Christ. Hebrews chapter 10, verses 24 and 25, I know many of you have heard it before, but there the writer says, and let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. Listen, I think we can all admit that as Christians, we have often taken for granted the church, the, bo the body of Christ. And we just, we, we, we've just taken for granted the church services and programs and ministries that they would always be there whenever we had, we could say, the time or the energy to attend. And should, you know, I think much of the attitude in the church today has been, well, should I miss this week? Well, that's okay. I can always get there next week. You know, statistics from... For all across the country and across denominational lines show us that not only do less people attend church at all, but that those who do attend church do so much less frequently. As so many, so many Christians, so many, so many church-going families have prioritized youth sports and school activities and family gatherings and home projects and business ventures and so forth above or over and above going to church. And now, it's, it's not uncommon now for a regular church attender, as we might call them, to attend a worship service just once per month. And that's on the high end. And it seems to me that 
we as the church, we as Christians, that we have just taken the church and meeting together for granted. But I sense now that attending church, that attending church has somewhat been taken away from us. Many of us have a new appreciation for the church of Jesus Christ and how much we really do need those times of being together for worship, for prayer, for to hear God's word, to fellowship, and not just online, but face to face, in person, side by side. And it's not just about a newfound appreciation for Sunday worship services, but maybe even more so the fact that we've learned we really do need each other, that we might spur one another on toward love and good deeds. Oh, I pray that as we move forward, that we would not take for granted the beauty that's found in the body of Christ, being part of a local church wherein we worship, connect, serve, and grow together. Let's not allow other things to take the place of the church and the call to meet together and to spur one another on. Let's not take it for granted any longer. But the second lesson I believe that we need to learn through all of this is that church is more than a Sunday worship gathering or even any program or event. And we've seen through all of this that in spite of not being together, the church has still been the church and maybe even more so than ever before. I think of the scripture over in Acts chapter 2. Acts chapter 2, beginning at verse 42, speaks of the disciples, and it says they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and fellowship, to the breaking of bread, to prayer. And everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. And all the believers were together, had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. That's the large gatherings. And they broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts. That was the small gatherings, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. You see, through this time, we've been reminded that the church is so much more than programs or events. In spite of the fact that everything has been stripped away, there's been no men's breakfast, no women's brunches, no Awana clubs, no Easter egg hunts and so forth. Listen, the church has still been the church and maybe even more so than ever before. For we've seen how ultimately being a church is about the relationships we have, taking care of one another, checking in on each other. All the Zoom classes, the phone calls, the dropping off of meals and so forth have brought to the surface what the church is really meant to be, a group of followers of Jesus whose lives are connected to the point that they really do care for each other. You see, we... We say it, and I believe it's so true, that sometimes less is more. And maybe we, in churches like ours, have had too many programs and too many events running, so much so that unless there's an event or unless there's a program to bring us together, we don't get involved in each other's lives. But that's not the way it's supposed to be. We need each other. We need to be connected. And my sense is that God is reminding us that when it comes to being the church, that the truth is less is more, that ultimately it's about building relationships, not just going to church, but being the church day by day and week after week. Lesson number three is this. Each person must take responsibility for their own spiritual well-being and growth. Jude writes these words in verses 20 and 21. 
But you, dear friends, by building yourselves up in your most holy faith and praying in the Holy Spirit, keep yourselves in God's love as you wait for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ to bring you to eternal life. You see, during this time, each of us, each of us had a choice to binge on, net, on Netflix or to spend some extra time in the Word and in prayer, to get online for the services of the church or to do another home project, to keep on watching the news or to fill our hearts and minds with the things of God. Here's the thing. No one was keeping track of your attendance. We just couldn't really do that. Oh, listen, there's been lots of phone calls made and lots of follow-up being done by myself and the staff and ministry leaders. And I appreciate the staff that we've had. They've worked so hard and ministering and our leaders reaching out. But in the end, each one of us has had to take responsibility for our own spiritual lives. And we either did so or we didn't. And of course, I don't want to negate the importance of pastoral ministry and the ministry of the church. Listen, if I did, I'd be out of a job. But it seems to me that we have had a lot of people in our churches who have never known what it means to take personal responsibility for their walk with Christ. It's no wonder we've so often heard as someone leaves one church for another, well, I'm leaving because I wasn't being fed. Well, they were only eating one spiritual meal per week. And again, without negating the importance of the role of the church and pastoral ministry and all that, that that can do for our lives, it's important for us to understand, for us to learn that our walk with Christ and our growth as disciples of Jesus is ultimately in our own hands. And thus, as we move forward, let's make sure we do so, as the Apostle Jude tells us, to build yourselves up. Build yourselves up in your most holy faith. Build yourselves up in your most holy faith. The fourth lesson, I believe we learn, I know I'm moving through quickly, I just hope we'll catch a glimpse of, of these lessons today. But the fourth lesson, I believe we've learned is this. Parents are responsible for the spiritual nurture of their children. Parents are responsible for the spiritual nurture of their children. We read in Deuteronomy chapter 6 these words, these commandments that I give you today are to be on your hearts. Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home, when you walk along the road, when you lie down, when you get up. Tie them as symbols on your hand and bind them on your foreheads. Write them on the door frames of your houses and your gates. Notice the scripture here basically is saying to parents, listen, your, whole, your, your home and your relationship with your children is supposed to be just surrounded by and built upon the Word of God and your relationship with God. Parents, let me ask you a question. With no Sunday school, no Awana clubs, no kids' church and so forth, what have you been doing during this time to spiritually nurture and teach your children? Did you even put on the video links that we've sent out? Is that all you did? And what about those of you who have teens in your home with no youth meetings and no youth activities? How did you fill the gaps in your teens' lives? I tend to think it's been revealed to us and to churches like ours that for too long families have been overly dependent upon church programs to spiritually nurture their children. There's little to no conversation in the home about the things of God unless it's being used for correction. Well, you know, the Bible says obey your parents, you know. There's no prayer together. 
There's no Bible reading. I remember for a period of time, like our kids were at different stages, although they were close in age, and, and Kim and I just found that it was best for us, rather than trying to pull them together and do something together with them, that each night we would pray with each of them individually, and we would read scripture with them at, at night before they went to sleep. And I believe, listen, I, I believe so much in ministry to our children and the role the church can play in their lives. But again, what happens if and when there are no church programs? And maybe we've been offering too many programs, so many programs that we have thus taken away responsibility from their parents. Maybe here as well, less is more. But whatever the case, I believe we've learned through all of this that the spiritual nurture of our children and teens begins first with the parents. And dads, on this Father's Day, let me say that it begins with you. Don't just leave it to mom. Don't just leave it to the wives. But dads, you need to be the one spiritually nurturing your children. The fifth lesson is this. The church is called to be a blessing to its community. Would you say amen to that? The church is called to be a blessing to its community. Jeremiah 29.7 says, Seek the peace and prosperity of the city to which I've carried you into exile. Well, as I've said the past number of weeks, we all feel like we've been in exile. He goes on to say, pray to the Lord for it, because if it prospers, you too will prosper. Paul wrote to the Galatians, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all people. And then he says, especially those who belong to the family of believers. Over these past few months as a church, we've proactively sought out ways to interact with and bless our community more than maybe ever before. You see, we didn't just wait for someone to come to us, but we went to them. I think of Operation Blessing and how much food we've given out and the ShopRite gift cards, of, of the way we've helped people, yeah, in our congregation with, with their rent and utility bills that they would not fall too far behind, right? How it is we reached out to school superintendents and the families that they served and, 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 and the way we looked for ways to bless our local police departments, you see, I think we've realized through all of this that rather than waiting for people to come to us, that, that there are times when we ought to be going to them, that we might be a blessing, that we might meet needs and build relationships through which we hope to eventually share the gospel. I think we've also begun to realize that maybe, just maybe, churches like ours have consumed so much time and energy in-house that we've had little time or energy left to minister to the community outside our four walls. And thus, maybe we, maybe we need to reconsider how it is we are reaching our community and look ahead to what we can do to be a blessing in the days to come. Lesson number six. Lesson number six is this. I think we've all learned, and we've learned it the hard way, the uncertainty of the future. The uncertainty of the future. You know, James writes in James 4, Verses 13 through 15. Now listen, you who say, oh, today or tomorrow we'll go to this city or that city, spend a year there, carry on business and make money. Why, you don't even know what will happen tomorrow. And we all say amen to that. But what is your life? You are a mist that appears for a little while and then vanishes. Instead, you ought to say, if it is the Lord's will, we will live and do this or that. Listen, when we were turning into 2020, who of us would have predicted that we'd be shut down uh, for a quarter of the year or more? Oh, you know, we were turning it. And a lot of preachers, 2020, the year of double blessing. And some of us now are saying, oh, yeah, what happened? I mean, who of us would have thought 
that we'd experience a pandemic to the point that stores, restaurants, theaters, schools, um, sporting events, office buildings, churches, and so forth would be closed. I mean, none of us could have imagined what we faced just a few months prior. Oh, I think of people who've planned weddings for this past spring and this summer. We have a good friend in our family. He was supposed to have his wedding in July, and well, they're still getting married, but the the reception and, you know, the large gathering has all been postponed and so many have had to cancel, rebook, or whatever it is. I think of people who end up, ended up in hospitals like Greg Mundus and some we've even had among us. No one, no one plans ahead of time that they're going to end up on a ventilator. Their lives just got turned upside down. And I think of those who lost loved ones to a once unknown virus and they couldn't even have the kind of funeral service they would want to have. And you know, no one plans those kind of things. I think one of the greatest lessons we've learned is just how uncertain the future really, really is. In fact, right now, as people begin to make plans for weddings, vacations, business, and so forth, on into the next year, they all do so with the thought in mind, well, this is what we'll do as long as the virus doesn't come back. I mean, we're in the, we're, we're, we're in the throes now of, of wedding plans for January, God willing. And, and we're saying, yeah, as long as the virus doesn't come back and we can have the reception, or in January, as long as a snowstorm doesn't hit us, so people are saying these kind of things, but according to the Bible, we ought to be saying, this is what we'll do and so forth if it is the Lord's will. If it is the Lord's will. We see in the end, we've learned that there, there is no guarantee. There's no guarantee of what the future will hold. And there's all we can do is put our lives in God's hands as we move forward in faith believing that no matter what tomorrow holds, God will be with his people. That God will be with his people and that he will make all things beautiful in its time. The final lesson, lesson number seven, is this. I think we've learned something about the sovereignty and the faithfulness of God. We've learned something of the sovereignty and faithfulness of God. For we've been reminded in a very real way that God is over all things and that through it all, he is and he will be faithful to his people. Listen, church, God was not surprised. Nothing that has happened has caught God off guard. Not that God... God necessarily sent the virus, but he knew what would be, and he knew he has known how to work through it for our well-being. But in the end, God has been and continues to be over all things. I want to remind us, he is a sovereign God. And God has been faithful. God has been with us. He, he, he's been faithful to fulfill his promise to us as his people that he would never leave us. He would never forsake us. And many of us can give testimonies of God's healing, his provision, his presence during this time. In fact, next week, you're going to hear a video testimony from John Ebright of how God took him through that illness and the days that he spent in that hospital room. Oh, I'm reminded of Lamentations chapter 3, where, where, where Jeremiah writes these words, Because of the Lord's great love, we are not consumed, for his compassions never fail. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. 
The Apostle Paul wrote in Romans 8, and we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who've been called according to his purpose. And speaking of God's sovereignty, even the sovereignty of Jesus Christ, our Savior, Paul wrote in Colossians 1, for in him, all things were created, things in heaven and earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things have been created through him and for him and for him. I'm reminded today that we serve a God who's sovereign over all things and who's always faithful to his people. And so how and when we as a church are fully back up and running is yet a bit unclear. We're in the phase one where we're beginning to reconnect like we did last night. And we have July 5th, that Sunday night outdoor event and so forth. But listen, it's not just us, but churches across the state and across the nation are facing the same situation. There's so much, so many things that we can't project and so many things that are unclear. But what is clear is that God has been seeking to teach us some lessons through all of this. That God never allows a moment, a circumstance, an event to go to waste. And what is clear is that when we return, when we come back to what might be, we've been saying, our new normal, things will most likely look, well, a little bit different. But you see, we cannot expect, and this is what God's been speaking to my heart this week, but we cannot expect to put new wine into old wineskins. And it just may be that God is calling us to stop looking back and instead to be looking forward to a different kind of future. Or we may end up with a combination of in-person and online ministries. We may need to consider that that there are times when less is more and ask some hard questions about our church schedule and the ways we do ministry and what we're calling people to. We may need to be more proactive in finding ways to engage our community or just be a blessing to them. Our whole mentality regarding church will, will need to change that that we'll be more faithful to our times of worship and prayer and study while at the same time realizing That much of who we are as a church and much of what we do as the body of Christ, it's meant to be built on connections and relationships and getting involved in each other's lives and taking care of one another. And I think ultimately, ultimately as we move forward, we're going to need to trust God better with our lives. We're going to need to trust Him better with our families, with with, with, with our finances, with our futures. I want to challenge us. I want to encourage us this morning to take hold of the lessons that God wants us to learn through all these things, knowing that he's a God who does make all things beautiful in its time. Let's be ready, as we were saying last year, let's be ready to move forward, forward with Christ, forward filled with faith into that which God has for us in the days to come. Let's prepare our hearts and minds for the things that God has for us as we move forward with him. Will you bow your heads and and just take a moment to pray? And maybe before I pray, lead us in prayer right now. Maybe just lift a hand to the Lord. Lift your heart to the Lord. Say, God, God, would you help me to learn what I'm supposed to have learned through this time, the things that you've wanted to teach me? Maybe there's someone out there today that through all of this, you've, you've realized how much you really do need God and the ministry of Jesus in your life. Maybe you kind of have put Jesus on the shelf in the past or you've just kind of ignored what 
God has wanted to do in your life. But through all of this, you realize how much you need him. Listen, Jesus came to be your savior, to give you hope, to give you life, to give you eternity. And right now, you can begin to pray and say, Jesus, would you come into my life as I give myself to following you in faith? God, would you come into my life by your Holy Spirit to forgive me of sin, to make my life new, to give me the hope that that only you are able to give me? And for each one of us, that we would be filled with faith, ready to move forward with God. Just taking from him maybe the new wine that he wants to give to us. Experiencing the new things he wants to do in our lives as he, as he works to make a way in the wilderness, streams in the desert. Father, right now I pray for your people. Lord, I pray this morning for your people. I pray for that person today who maybe for the first time is reaching out to you in faith, giving their life to you. I pray, God, that you would touch them, that you would minister to them, that you would make their life new by your Holy Spirit, that you would give to them new hope today and the gift of eternal life that you have promised. I pray for us as as a congregation and, God, for believers and churches all across our region, God, and across our nation, God, that, that we would not allow the lessons that you have wanted to teach us to go to waste, but instead, God, that you would impress them upon our hearts and our minds, that as we come through this and out of this season, God, that our lives will be different, our churches will be different, that our mentality would be different, And that we would experience you in a whole new way at work in our lives, at work in our homes, at work in your church, at work in our communities, at work in our nation. And so we bless you today. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.